When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. The latest visit from Readings First consultants Jane and Wanda left a bad taste in my mouth. As usual, Wanda was looking out for me and what I'm trying to do at the Learning Academy. However, Jane came in and did all she could to raise the anxiety level of my staff and my literacy coach in particular. She had a lot of negative feedback to give and she was trying to get Tiffany, our literacy coach, to say negative things about my leadership and my support of the Reading First program. She did major damage inside of an hour and then had the audacity to leave my building without meeting with me or providing me with any feedback. This is the typical protocol. This was not only underhanded and potentially divisive, but it was also unprofessional. I went home Thursday evening with clear intentions of sending her an email insisting that we all have a a meeting to sit down and clear the air. While other suggestions were made For how to deal with the issue, I felt like dealing with it directly would be the best model for my literacy coach and my assistant principal to see. Ironically, Jane emailed me first apologizing and making excuses for why she didn't sit down with me after her visit on Wednesday. She suggested that we meet the next morning. I accepted that invitation and still took the opportunity to communicate my disappointment with how things were handled. We planned to meet on Friday morning to clear the air. (laughs) At the last minute, she had to reschedule the appointment until next week. Listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops 
because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of rootless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site. Go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. It reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of of nothing nothing and i got 950,000 1100 books behind me right now on this shelf and some of them are great but none of them are like ruthless equity ruthless equity is a book like no other explains equity like no other speaks to you like no other the coach on your shoulder the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. Oh, baby, let's get into this one. My goodness. This is one of those rare posts that take me back to the time. And, you know, I had to tell myself a couple of times, I do a couple of retakes on this one, that... uh, this happened years ago because my body, like I was reacting viscerally when I was thinking about this day. Oh my gosh. Assumptions, elephants, and alignment. Oh my gosh. First off, I'm going to be all over the place on this one, but I've got some great points to make. First off, this is a typical symptom of that school. When you are working to turn things around at a school that is underperforming, Oftentimes, and I just had this epiphany preparing for this podcast. You know, we had a lot of top-down stuff coming our way because of, you know, our poor performance. And, you know, I can live with that, you know, and I, I take it and really work hard to align it with our mission and vision so that it's more than the county doing something to us. But what I found in, with this experience, month after damn month, is um, when your school's underperforming, even when you're in the midst of transformation, but the, the results aren't there yet, sometimes these consultants will come in and treat us like, you know, like we were like the low group, like treating us like we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Treating us, I mean, it was almost like damn parental. And again, while we didn't have results yet, you know, 
we had a plan. Like we had a clear mission, a clear vision. We're working toward it. Some days it's one step forward and three steps back, but we had a clear mission and vision. And she would come in like, you know, like she was my, my, like my mother or something. Come in chastising and upending shit. And I, I keep this stuff in mind when I consult with schools, you know. I'm going to disrupt some things. If you want breakthroughs, there's got to be some disruption. But I'm not trying to upend your culture. You know, and this woman would come in once a month and it was a pair. And it was almost, it wasn't like good cop, bad cop. Wanda wanted what was best for us. Wanda was a great communicator. But I, I think Elaine was her boss. Oh shit, did I say Elaine? I should have said Jane because I changed the names to protect the not so innocent. But I'm not doing this over. It would drive me crazy that she would come in and just upend everything. And on this day, she, I mean, she had a bug up her ass about something. Because in an hour, I was, I was left doing damage control. And that really pissed me off. That really pissed me off. It was almost like she would come in on a monthly basis, assuming that we were just a wayward bunch, just negligent, derelict in our duty not getting the work done and it bothered me and you know so she was the consultant for this reading initiative that my district adopted and I'm not getting into the merits of the reading initiative itself what I'm telling you is you got to protect your culture you got but you got to have something to protect so again my school wasn't where I wanted it to be yet we were still underperforming but what made us different than most schools, period, and different from other schools like that school in particular, is that we had clear mission and vision. I'm not talking about a damn statement. We had clear mission and vision. So what I feel good about after I relive this incident is that the damage control I was doing wasn't simply, um, it wasn't just damage control, it was realignment. It was getting us back on track and get everyone facing the same direction and pointing to that North Star that we identified, that we described, uh, just, just getting us realigned. And that, it felt good that we had that to go back to, as opposed to times where I've been a part of school cultures that weren't sold out to a particular mission and vision. And then when all hell would break loose for some reason, it was more about survival mode than it was realignment. And that was that was just really powerful. I I wasn't gonna let a consultant come in because because sometimes consultants come in and and I'm really careful about this when I consult with schools. The standard is the standard for me. I don't care if your school is the highest performing school in the district or the one that's struggling. You're gonna get that you're gonna get the best version of me every time. I'm going to teach to the highest level of the standard and scaffold as appropriate. But this woman would come in every month and treat us like we lived in ISS. Like we, like we just some permanently in school suspension. Didn't know what we were doing. And then coming in and being decisive. And so she left a big ass elephant at my school. And I'm telling you this. I've told you this a thousand times. I don't like to confront. It, it does not feel good to me. I don't get a kick out of it. Uh, it doesn't feed my ego. I'm a I'm a people pleaser at you know by nature. However, 
when I work, man, it's about purpose. It's about purpose. And, you know, I'm the godfather of this culture, man. I'm the leader there. I got to protect this thing. I mean, we we are hanging on by a thread as it is. And then you bring your ass in here once a month and just, you know, set off a bunch of cherry bombs. Hell no. Uh Uh-uh. That's not happening. So not only did I have to do damage control and realignment with my staff, I was also going to confront her. And I don't remember exactly who I talked to or, you know, bounced some ideas off of. But clearly from that passage, clearly from that journal entry, there were people suggesting other ways to handle things. And not to say that those weren't legitimate, but I'm always thinking as a leader. Right. And leaders produce leaders. So I saw my literacy coach as a leadership position. Obviously, my assistant principal is a leadership position. And I had to summon the courage to confront this issue because I saw it as modeling for them. Deal with it directly. Let's just get it out of the way and get it done. I'm not going to dance around it. I'm not going to gossip about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to back channel it. I'm not going to have definitely not going to have anybody else confront this. So I did. And I got the feeling that she wasn't used to that. Because she clearly and I have to give her credit. For whatever reason, she caught herself and realized because what they do is they, they they come in during the day, they go to classes, they observe, blah, blah, blah. They take a bunch of notes. They give feedback to teachers and guidance and coaching. And then you meet with me and tell me, you know, <laughs> it's supposed to be like what's working and what's not. But all I would hear about is the shit that's not going on um, in the program. But she didn't do that. She came in. Wrecked all the furniture. And then walked out. And maybe there have been instances in her travels with the schools that were, you know, she was responsible for where she was able to pull that shit. But she wasn't going to pull that shit with me. But I give her credit for reaching out first. I don't know if somebody put a bug in her ear or something. It's like, you know, she just left there, didn't even consult with me. I'm the damn principal. And I let her know that I'm not only disappointed with, you know, the proceedings that day that we need to meet about this and clear the air. And as soon as I confronted it, you know, my, she all of a sudden had to reschedule. This is what happens with people, man. And this happens a lot these days with social media, you know, digital beer muscles. I mean, everybody's got these, you know, steroid based thumbs where you just get to say what you want until somebody turns around and calls you on it. I'm all about freedom of speech, but you've got to understand the consequences of that as well. And so <clears throat> my the things I want you to take away are protect your culture, protect your culture. And I don't mean protect your culture like um making excuses for your teachers. Like I didn't make excuses. Like if somebody, you know, I had teachers that were dropping the ball and not doing a program, I had to confront that stuff. But the stuff she was doing that day was just divisive. And it was all just kind of a buildup. I and mean, we, I just dreaded every month when she would come come in. And this was like a, like a, a, a culmination of it. So you gotta protect your culture. Like that's, cultures are so delicate. Oh my God. For someone to come in once a month, and just upend it. I just wasn't going to have it. That's one. Two, when you are on mission and on vision, it's almost like a compass. 
So we got knocked off kilter, and this wasn't the only incident. You know, you listen to this podcast. I mean, we've been knocked off course several times. But the key word there is course. Without mission and vision, you have no course. You just in survival mode all day. But because we had clear mission and vision and the collective commitments that align with that mission and vision, action steps, we codified everything. I took the ambiguity out of everything. We defined everything from high levels of learning to all means all, like all the the cliches we love to use in education, like we defined all of it and made it tangible and measurable and practical. And again, because we were on mission and vision, my damage control was about realignment, getting us back on the tracks, getting the train back on the tracks. You notice, I don't know if you noticed that when I talked about Wanda supporting what I was doing at the Learning Academy, I guess I didn't journal about this, but um, in the second year, I just decided to change the name of the school. (laughs) I look back at this shit. I mean, my wife and I always laugh about teenagers having invincibility complex. I mean, during a time, it's not funny when they just think that, you know, they can do anything and there's no danger and blah, blah, blah. But I think I just felt the same way in changing the name. I mean, the school is, you know, Swin Elementary. And I just decided, hey, we are now the Learning Academy at EJ Swint. I, I wanted to sound like a private school, and then I wanted us to step up in that same vein. But yeah, I changed that, changed the stationery, changed the logo. I didn't change the letters on the front of the school, but I did change the marquee, you know, where you can like switch the letters out every month. It was just funny. And I think I'm laughing because after, at the end of year three, my assistant superintendent sat down with me and said, you know, did you? Did you get approval for that name change? And I was like, I don't Do I have to get approval? You know, I just played dumb. But my staff ate it up. The kids ate it up. Um, it made us feel like we were going somewhere. But to but to keep this from being just like a, 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 a clownish cliche or some, you know, surface level adjustment we were making in the name, we had to follow it up with the work. And that's what I was protecting. That's what I was protecting. Yes, we were still the one of the worst performing schools in the district, but we were on our way. We were on our way. And I'm not gonna let anybody come in and upend that thing. So be careful about assumptions. We do this with kids. You know, we we look at kids who, you know, who may come from circumstances that are not common to us. And I hear a lot of assumptions made, especially by well-intentioned teachers, just assuming that the kids get nothing at home, that they don't get the hugs. Now, if you know this for a fact, then that's great. But if you don't know that, you're just projecting. Don't project. It doesn't serve you. Identify the crown, grow them to the crown. That's the biggest favor you can do. Because when you start assuming, just like the way you know Jane assumed that our school was shit, and we didn't know what we were doing and we didn't care. These are all the percent. These are all this is what I perceived. All of that was wrong. And when we assume that, you know, kids aren't being raised the right way because maybe parents are raising them different from the way we do. It's it's a slippery slope because you are flirting with the politics of pity. You are flirting with your heart breaking and lowering the standards. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Protect your culture. 
identify those elephants in the room and get on mission and vision so that when you need to course correct, you have a course to get back on. If you don't have mission and vision, you don't have a course. You are literally just trying to survive. Your course starts at 8.30 and will end at 2.30. You don't want that. You don't want that. You want to, you want to lead in a way where people believe and know that they are part of something larger than themselves. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share this podcast with someone. Remember to start with the crown, not with the kid. If you're interested in partnering with me, go down to the notes below, click on my profile and let's set up a time to meet and see if, um, if my skill set aligns with your outcomes. And until next week, know that there's no chance, no destiny, no fate that will circumvent, hinder, or control the firm resolve of a determined soul. May the bridges you burn light the way. See you next week. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.